guys, and welcome back to another episode of Haunting True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Sierra, and this week we're going to be doing some more paranormal stuff. So we're going back to all that business. So again, if paranormal is not quite your cup of tea and you're only here for the true crime, then sorry, not this week. But uh, next Monday, I will have another episode that will be something different that's not quite paranormal. So... Uh, If you're here for the paranormal, then sit back, relax, and we'll get into it. So what I want to do first is I want to do the not quite as terrifying dolls first because, well, number one, I got to keep you listening till the end. And number two, it's just kind of like a buildup. You're excited. You're ready for the scary ones. You know, kind of like in a scary movie, you have to go through the not scary parts before you get to the scary parts. Yeah, kind of like that. So our first doll is Mandy the doll. And Mandy the doll was donated to the Quesnel Museum in British Columbia in 1991. The owner claimed that it was over 90 years old and that her young daughter had started playing with it. And she didn't want her daughter to play with it. She's like, well, it's probably worth some money. So she took it away from her daughter and donated it to the museum. She said that the doll was named Mandy and that it belonged to her grandmother. But the curator noticed that, you know, she couldn't wait to get rid of this doll. You know, and then finally they accepted the doll and they're like, okay, well, we'll take it. You know, you can leave it here. And after she left, the curator had picked her up and said that the, they felt like the doll emanated a feeling of unease and dread. I'm not going to lie, she is very creepy. Um, I'm not going to post any pictures of the creepy dolls because they might be triggering to somebody. Um, But if you Google any of their names, they'll pop up immediately. Anyway, the doll was very well-worn and it has little tufts of stuffing sticking out. It is faded. It's very old-fashioned dress. Um, And the doll's face has also got cracks along one side. I I believe it's the right side of its face. And it makes one of the eyes kind of stick out. And it's like really creepy. Um, So then the curator gives it to the museum staff. Because it has to be uh, treated for bugs and things like that. Because they don't want an infestation. So... They put the doll in a plastic bag, which is supposed to kill any bugs that are in the doll. And so while it was in this bag for a few days, some museum employees swore that they could hear the bag rustle as if the doll was moving. And on more than one occasion, they said that the doll had moved positions inside of the bag. So like an example of moving positions would be like the arm was down and now it's up type of thing. So then after she was taken out of the bag, she was put in this section of the museum where they photograph new artifacts that they take into the museum. And she was left there overnight. And when the employees came back, they said that everything was thrown off the shelves and it was just trashed. But Mandy was nev- not touched. She was in the same exact place, same exact position, everything. Like she wasn't moved, which is creepy. So then finally, they moved her to another room, and the same thing happened. You know, the room was trashed, except for Mandy. 
So finally they were like, okay, Mandy doesn't want to be here. So they put Mandy near the entrance of the museum. But then people started complaining because the, the doll was creepy. It creeped them out. And then photographers said that pictures they took of Mandy never came out right. They had, they said the pictures had light anomalies like orbs and stuff like that. Or they were just really, really blurry for no reason at all. According to a psychic, the doll was found with the body of a dead girl. And the museum curator had tracked down the original owner. And the woman, she finally admitted that she donated it to get rid of it because she just kept hearing crying sounds coming from her cellar. Creepy. Right? Like, that's just, ugh, crying sounds coming from your cellar. Gross. Anyway, the next one is a little bit more scary, but still not as scary as the last two. But this is Peggy the doll. And I thought I would include a description. Um, and you'll see why I include the description in a little bit. But Peggy is a large blonde doll with blue eyes. She has very short blonde hair. She has a white frilly dress and a rosary around her neck. And the doll was owned by Jane Harris, who is a paranormal investigator in the UK. And she actually specializes in spirit attachment research. So spirits that are attached to an object or a person type of thing. And Peggy was made in the late 60s in England. And the previous owner before Jane had experienced nightmares that just progressively got worse to the point that she just felt sick all the time. Like she could not feel better. So she reached out to a priest to have her house blessed because she thought that it was a negative spirit. So then her nightmares got worse and she felt even more sick after she had this blessing done to her house. So she sought out Jane Harris. She did some digging and she found her. And Jane was like, okay, I'll take the doll from you. And then Jane has contacted many psychic mediums and they have come to the conclusion together that there are two main energies associated with this doll. There is a male energy that is restless and more negative, And he's the one that uh, you can attribute the negative feelings to. And then there's also a female named Peggy who was born in 1946. And they think that she passed away from some kind of like a chest condition like asthma or maybe a heart attack. Something with the chest, you know. I heard asthma attack, but I don't know. They also thought she might have been a Holocaust victim, but if she was born in 1946, I don't think she would have been a Holocaust victim. I don't know. Um, but they think that Peggy, the spirit, is what causes people to feel empathy and positive feelings and, like, they want to take care of the doll, you know, type of thing. And um, almost every single person who sees Peggy has an experience. And yes, you heard me right, sees, like looks at her. So Peggy is so famous because supposedly looking at a picture of her will cause you to have some kind of a reaction. Um, some people will get short of breath. Some people get nauseous. Some people get headaches. Um, some people, um, it, it's different for everyone. Some people are just like, hey, I want to take care of this doll. I want to love her. And some people are just like, oh my god, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Um, 
I personally don't like looking at pictures of Peggy. Every time I look at Peggy, it feels like my stomach drops to the very bottom of my abdomen. Like, it feels like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but it just feels like my stomach drops. You know, like that moment of dread. You're just like, oh shit. Yeah, that's what it feels like when I look at Peggy every time. Um, and I don't know if it's just like a negative suggestion, you know, like a power of suggestion. Like, oh, well, you're going to have an experience, so you did. I don't know what the reasoning is, but I had an experience. I'm willing to say that, you know, it could be explained away. So I'm not going to be like, oh my god, it's paranormal. Um, but I did have an experience. One woman had a heart attack minutes after seeing a video of Peggy online. So this just could be that she just wasn't taking care of herself and she had a heart attack. You know, it happens. Or it could have been, you know, a spirit attacking her. We don't, there's no proof in either direction, really. Well, I mean, I guess you could prove that she wasn't taking care of herself. But anyway, um, so according to Jane Harris, about 80% of people have a negative reaction when they see Peggy. And like I said, it's dizziness, nausea, headaches, chest pain, mania and like room temperature changes so this is where peggy changes hands so jane takes peggy to las vegas to zach bagan's haunted museum and zach bagan's takes the doll and now she lives with him um so that's pretty much the end of peggy peggy's the shortest out of all of them but she's very creepy our next doll is Robert the doll. And by now you've probably guessed what our next doll will be. If you haven't, I'm going to leave it as a surprise and we're going to talk about Robert. So Robert the doll was gifted to Robert Eugene Otto in 1906. And Robert is a three foot doll who is stuffed with straw and he's over a hundred years old. And then some people say that the gift was from his father, but locals say that it was given by a Haitian servant. The officials at the Fort West, officials at the Fort West Martello Museum have concluded that Robert was never meant to be a doll in the first place. They traced his origins to the Stife Company, who made the very first teddy bear. And a Stife historian told them that Robert was likely a part of a window display and was never actually meant to be a doll so then back to the autos we're going to talk about the auto family right now um the autos were known to be kind of cruel to their servants um very stern very mean you know downright like um, mistreating them at times okay so the servant that gifted the doll to the child we're going to call him eugene because you'll understand, but it gets a little confusing. So this servant was hired to watch over Eugene. And she was caught practicing black magic. Supposedly. And so before she left the mansion, she gave Eugene a doll that had buttons for eyes. And it was believed to be Robert's hair. But it was human hair on its head. And it was filled with straw, like I said earlier. 
and Eugene dressed the doll in his clothes and named it after himself. Um, and he would take the doll everywhere. He took the doll to the dinner table where it had its own seat, and he even slept with the doll in his own bed, and they were tucked in together. And then he started to refer to the doll by Robert, and he referred to himself by his middle name, Gene. And he would say, Robert is the doll's name. Gene was also heard talking to the doll in his toy room, and then a very deep voice would answer him, like, to a point that Robert couldn't have made that voice. Like, he was a little boy. He couldn't have made this big, strong, deep voice. Um, Robert's mother would, on occasion, go into his room and she would find Robert on a chair glaring at Jean, who was crouched in a corner and looking fearfully towards the doll. Then household objects would be thrown across the room um, for no reason at all, no explanation. Jean's toys would come up mutilated and they would punish him for it. And he would take the punishment, but he would always say, it wasn't me, it was Robert. They would hear running and giggling when Eugene was asleep. So it was really weird. And so whenever they would confront him about it, like, well, why weren't you in bed last night? He would be like, it wasn't me. Robert did it. So then finally, Robert's great aunt had suggested that they take Doll away. That Robert was, that he was, that Gene was too old for Robert and that they needed to just get rid of him. So the parents took Robert away and they put him up in the attic. And they left him there for years. So, after Gene's parents died, he moved back into the house with his wife. After Gene's parents died, he moved back into the house with his wife. And at this time, Eugene had become an artist, so the house was referred to as the artist's house. Gene went into the attic and found Robert, and he became instantly attached to him again. He would take the doll to the grocery store. He would, you know, take the doll to dinner. He would set the doll with him in his room while he painted. Um, it, the doll went everywhere with him. And he had his own chair that he would sit on in the bedroom because obviously his wife was not going to let him sleep with the doll. So, he had his own chair that he sat on. And then, his wife became upset with the doll and how obsessed Eugene was with the doll. So, she put him back in the attic. And so, after being in the attic, in the turret room, which you can, but it's just the house, the very top of, it's a room at the very top of the house. And it's in like a little turret like a victorian style mansion yeah but after you know his wife put him back in the attic the turret room became robert's room and then the marriage had become sour it was falling apart they weren't getting along very well and it was for unknown reasons um so then his wife supposedly went insane and died of unknown reasons. Sounds a hell of a lot like Robert did it, if you ask me. And then shortly after, Jean followed. Um, so then, 
while so then after all the autos had passed away the house sat empty and robert had the whole house to himself and then a new family purchased it and a new family had purchased the house and they were restoring it and then robert again was moved to the attic and he did not like it he was often found throughout the house in different locations and on one night he was found at the foot of the new owner's bed holding a kitchen knife and chuckling and obviously they left the house because you're stupid if you don't but i guess robert was supposedly known to attack people he would lock them in the attic Um, people would pass by the house and hear evil laughter from the turret room like it was coming out the window type of thing little neighbor kids would say that they saw Robert looking out the window and then he would just move behind the curtain which is creepy and kind of the hairs on my neck are kind of standing up just thinking about that so then finally someone else bought the house and they moved Robert to the East Martello Museum in Key West Florida and he now lives in a glass case in the middle of a room and visitors and employees have seen the doll move his smile has been seen turning into a scowl Uh, one employee cleaned the doll and turned off the lights and left the next day he returned to see the lights on and robert was in a different position and a new layer of dust on his shoes and this is where i'm gonna kind of freeball this robert is also known to curse people um they say that if you go to the museum and you disrespect robert or you photograph robert without his permission that he will curse you and the museum will get thousands of letters a day from people who didn't respect robert or people that taunted him people that took his picture without his permission begging robert to lift the curse on them and there's a few specific stories that I don't particularly want to get into because I still have another doll to go over. Um, but they're very scary. <laughs> they're very scary. Um, and there's also a Ghost Adventures Artifacts uh, episode that has Robert the doll. Um, so that's pretty cool. You should check it out. It tells you the whole, you know, story it, it tells you more about what happens to Robert at the museum um, instead of the backstory. So if you want to learn more, you can do that. You can do your own research. Um, it's a very creepy thing, and it really makes me uncomfortable to just think about it. So it it's something. So now we are going on. So now we are going on to our very last doll. And... You've probably guessed it by now. It's Annabelle. And I put Annabelle at the end because I feel like she's a little bit more dangerous than Robert. And you'll see why towards the end. Um, but Annabelle is a very large Raggedy Ann doll. Um, and this was back in the 70s when Raggedy Ann's were like all the rage. Everyone had one no matter what age you were. And so... In 1970, an RN named Donna received Annabelle as a gift from her mother. And she was like, I love this. I'm going to put it on my bed. Everything's great. And then 
at first her and her roommate Angie started to notice that the doll like would creep them out like it was just creepy and then they noticed the doll started to move like small things at first you know like the arm moving or the leg moving you know like the legs were uncrossed then they're crossed and then the doll would move like entire rooms it would go from the living room to the bedroom from the bedroom to the living room from from Donna's room to Angie's room, from Angie's room to the kitchen, and weird shit. And then Donna and Angie would find the doll sitting cross-legged on the couch with arms folded. And then other times, it was upright, standing on its feet, and leaning against a chair. Which, if you ever had a Raggedy Ann doll, you know that's basically impossible, because those things have no kind of structure in those limbs. None. Other times... Donna would find the doll on the couch, and then she would return to find it on her bed with the door closed. Um, and so a month into living with the doll, Donna and Angie began to find penciled messages on parchment paper that said, help us, help me, or help Lou. And Lou was, it was either Angie's boyfriend or like a mutual friend of both the girls. I'm not sure which one. I tend to think that it was Angie's boyfriend, but anyway. Back to the notes. Um, the writing looked like it belonged to a small child. Um, and the parchment paper that it was written on wasn't owned by Angie or Donna. It w- there was none in the house. So it just came out of nowhere. So they contacted a medium who conducted a seance to talk to her. And the medium told them that there was a spirit of a little girl named Annabelle Higgins that that wanted to move into the doll to live with them. And that Annabelle had lived nearby. There was reports of her either dying in a car crash outside of where the apartment building was. There was reports that she was murdered and her body was found in the field where the apartment stood. You know, the, the story is not the same. And I'm sure that you're going to get various different reasons on why Annabelle, you know, haunted that specific location. And unless you talk to Donna or Angie, you're probably not ever going to know what's true. But anyway, they were like, you know, they're nurses. They help people. They felt really bad. And they agreed to let her move into the doll to live with them. And then their friend Lou was never fond of this doll. And he warned Donna, he goes, Donna, get rid of it. It's not okay. It's creepy. There's something off about it. You know, I don't trust it. And then one night, Lou was staying over and he woke up paralyzed only to see Annabelle glide over his leg, up his chest, and it began strangling him until he passed out. And he was never sure if it was a dream or real, but Lou personally feels like it was real and that actually happened. Lou and Angie were also alone with the doll while preparing for a road trip that they were going to go on the next day. Donna was out and they were in the apartment with the doll. Um, They heard rustling in Donna's room and Lou was like, oh, well, I'm going to go check it out. And he went to her door and waited for the rustling to stop. And then when he opened the door, he saw the doll that looked like it was just tossed in the corner at the last second. You know, like it just someone just tossed it to get rid of it because like 
they didn't want to get caught doing something type of thing. And then Lou walks over to the doll and he picks it up and he feels like there's someone behind him, you know. So he turns around and there's no one there. And when he turned, uh, when he turned back around, he grabbed his chest and doubled over and he was, he was bleeding and he had seven scratches, three vertical and four horizontal, and they were all hot like they were burns. And then finally, Donna was convinced that it wasn't just a small child's spirit, like this is something bad. So she contacted a priest named Father Cook, and he contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren, which if you don't know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are, first of all, you have never researched this case before. (laughs) Second of all, they are the... Okay, they were the world's most renowned demonologists. Like, they were professionals on demons. They were the ones to call if you had a demon problem. And unfortunately, they have both passed away. The Warrens had come and they concluded that the doll was not possessed, but it was being manipulated by a demon to give it, like, the illusion of being possessed, you know? And that the demon was looking for a host. You know, demons don't possess things, they possess people. Which is what which is what they say in the movie. And they concluded that two to three more weeks and the demon would have possessed one of them and or harmed or killed all of them. And so the Warrens decided that they needed to cleanse the apartment with an exorcism. They're like, we're going to do an exorcism on this apartment. We need to get rid of this. So for further precaution, Donna asked the Warrens to take the doll with them to prevent any further phenomena happening to her. And so on the way home, the doll made the brakes stall or fail several times, almost causing an accident every single time that would have been fatal. So then finally, Ed pulls out his holy water and he throws it on the doll and he says, I think the Lord's Prayer or St. Michael's Prayer. I think it was the St. Michael's Prayer. And then it stopped. The phenomena stopped. They were able to make it home to Connecticut. And now... We're going to talk about where the doll is at now. The case is mostly wood, and the stain on the wood is mixed with holy water. Um, The tarot card that's on the case, the little devil tarot card, is the same one that is in the movie. So that's actually true. Uh, There's that devil's tarot card, and Ed put that up there himself. And... Their son-in-law, Tony Spera, who's married to Judy, their daughter, he said that out of the entire, like, museum, he is the most scared of Annabelle. Um, He said that someone had offered him a million dollars to buy the doll, and he said no, which, smart man. The case has three crosses, one on the front and two on the side, one on each side, um, There are two St. Michael's medallions on the sides. The Lord's Prayer and the St. Michael Prayer is written underneath the felt on the inside of the case. So if you were to rip that felt down, there would be like the Lord's Prayer. 
Um, and there's a sign that was handwritten by Ed that says, positively, do not open. I don't know about you, but I'm real creeped out. Just thinking about Annabelle is really creepy. And the movie, the movies don't do Annabelle justice. I feel like there is much more to be scared of than what the movies portray. Uh, Annabelle is the most scary to me because for Annabelle, you don't have to disrespect Annabelle to be attacked. Like with Robert, you have to disrespect him. Annabelle just attacks every Tom, Dick, and Harry, which is terrifying to me. Um, I still would love to go see the Warrens Museum in Connecticut because even though Ed and Lorraine are unfortunately passed away, their son, Tony Spera, still runs the museum and he still does their work. He's, they trained him and he now is continuing their work. So, final thoughts and comments. So, wow. Um, I personally believe in each and every one of these dolls. I believe that there are spirits that are attached to objects. I believe that, you know, there are demons that are attached to objects. I think that Robert and Annabelle are demons. I feel like Peggy could kind of go either way. It's either a ghost or a demon. And I feel like Mandy is just a ghost. I think that you have to be the most scared of Robert and Annabelle. But unfortunately, that one lady did have a heart attack after looking at Peggy. So I'd be kind of cautious with Peggy but I think I'd be the most scared of Annabelle and Robert if I were you if you decide to go see Robert at the museum don't knock on the glass don't take a picture of him just go introduce yourself kindly be like hello Robert my name is so and so it is very nice to meet you and then go on your merry way you don't have to worry about shit after that and Annabelle you're best off if you just don't go visit her at all. Um, there is a video on YouTube, and it's from Haley Reese, H-A-I-L-E-Y-R-E-E-C-E, and it's wonderful. She's in the museum with Tony, and Tony is like the greatest storyteller ever. He's telling you about different artifacts in the museum, and it's just really, really cool. And I would recommend going and watching it. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's The Real Annabelle or something like that. Um, it's really cool. He talks about it. Um, the lead investigator talks about how he rebuilt the case that Annabelle is sitting in. Um, it's really cool. I recommend you go see it. Um, other than that, I think we're done for today. And I'm going to go edit this and throw it up so that you guys can enjoy it. So you can contact me on my Instagram at Haunting True Crime Podcast, my Facebook at Haunting True Crime, and my Gmail at Haunting True Crime Podcast at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you guys. I'd love to hear your own haunted doll stories if you guys have any. So, you know, let me know. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>